Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hi, it's Finn Dwyer from the Irish History Podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, please, please follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. While you're staying at home, I would recommend another great show that's worth checking out. It's Unexplained by Richard McLean Smith. It's a beautifully produced and gripping show that looks at unusual and sometimes unnerving occurrences from the past and present. It's perfect escapism. Check out Unexplained on the Acast app or wherever you get podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andy Musgrove and it's time for our weekend preview. It's Newcastle United versus Bournemouth down on the south coast. I'm joined here by Lee Ryder and Chris Woff who will be flying down there tomorrow. Um, it's going to be a very interesting game, lads. Um, three points and Newcastle have another boost towards survival. Yeah, it would be nice if they could get three points this weekend. The away form has been questionable in the last few weeks. They're obviously home... Form-wise, they've now won five in a row and completely flipped that from the start of the season. But the reverse has happened on the road. They haven't won so far in 2019 uh, in the Premier League away from St. James's Park. And they go to a ground where they've had reasonable success in recent years. They've, they've won their uh, Steve McLaren season, albeit I, I still am flabbergasted how they did because Rob Elliott produced about five world-class saves and Bournemouth absolutely battered Newcastle, but somehow won 1-0, one of the few times they won away from home that season. And then last year, as we'd come on to, I'm sure they were 2-0 up and uh, threw it away in the last 10 minutes and, and drew twos each. So uh, I think Bournemouth will allow Newcastle to play, though that's how they approach it. Eddie Howe likes to be on the front foot when he can, so I'm expecting quite an entertaining game because Newcastle have been far more open and expansive in recent weeks than they have been earlier in Benitez's reign as well. Uh, Lee, we saw at the end of the outer game, or second half rather, that Benitez had gone with four at the back. Do you foresee him doing a similar thing away to Everton? I think that, you know, after the the win at the weekend, I think you, you look at it and in the second half they were effective but they had no choice but to go for it so there's a there's still a I mean a, there's a piece up that I've just done with Rafa saying you know as they get closer to safety they might be able to go on the front foot a bit more at the minute I don't think he feels that they're safe I don't think anybody feels that at the moment so I, th- I think he could still play a bit of caution the wind he might still go with five at the back and you know it's strange strange game this because you look at Bournemouth's last game against Man City, they were so timid. They didn't have a single shot, didn't force a corner, and had eighteen percent possession. And Man City, you know, were, weren't all that great themselves. So, look at the end of the day, Newcastle, they've got, they know they've got the players now who can make the difference. Almiron is such a key man, really, who who can spark attacks. Rondon and Perez are, are, are buzzing off him at the moment. So, hopefully, you know, Rafa. You know, plays it cautiously in some ways, but on the counter, if he can, you know, get those three players on the ball, then Newcastle's got a, they've got a great chance of winning. 
most certainly. Do you think the fact that um, you know Rafa Benitez's contract is up for discussion? A few players have said you know he's key, he has to stop. And Benitez has alluded to the fact that it could take just two wins until that comes back onto the agenda. Does that play a part in the dressing room? Do you think? I think so. Um, from from the players' point of view, you know they a lot of them want him to stay. Um, there's, there'll always be a couple of players who who aren't bothered who the manager is because footballers can be quite not not selfish, but in terms they, they can be focused on on their own needs at times. Uh, but Rafa's generally got a good mentality in the dressing room. The sooner they can be declared safe, the, the sooner you know the agenda gets pushed for for the contract to be sorted out, and. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it at the moment and I think we are edging closer. I think what what's happened in the last three or four days with the revamp at the academy, that that's what Rafa wanted to happen. He wanted, you know, the whole thing overhauled. He wanted new positions to come in, such as the loan coordinator. And that's now happening. So Newcastle as a club are basically saying, come on, Rafa, it's over to you. We've changed the academy. That's what you wanted. Um, you know, we're, we're already looking at players for next season. Uh, so they're basically the, the the swinging it round so that they can say, "Come on, Rafa, we want you." There's the the contracts on the table. Let's just get it signed and move forward. Well, certainly. But Chris Bournemouth aren't on the best of ones themselves. Beat Huddersfield two nil. Um, went were unlucky probably against Man City, but they haven't won in other than that in quite a while, if I'm not mistaken, since uh, January the thirtieth when they beat. Chelsea 4-0 so you'd say they're safe obviously but it's a chance for Newcastle to confirm their status for next next year Well Newcastle can go above Bournemouth if they win this weekend because their goal difference is superior I mean Bournemouth it's strange Eddie Howe's done a, a brilliant job there but this season the start of the season so well and then away from home they've been appalling I know they beat Huddersfield but apart from that I think quite regularly they were getting hammered and turned over on the road and uh, how completely changed his approach as Lee alluded to in that home game against Man City and yes he had injuries but to, to not even really attempt to get forward Newcastle have been accused of being ultra cautious at times but usually Benitez in the last 15-20 minutes allows Newcastle to have a bit of a go if they're still in the game Bournemouth didn't even do that they lost 1-0 and, and didn't even have an effort on goal so it is strange uh, but I do think it'll be more of an open game I can't see Bournemouth approaching this one like that uh, Newcastle for all their scoring goals, do look like they concede. They can concede them at the moment, and obviously there are going to be there's going to be at least one enforced change in the Newcastle side because we know that Fabian Share isn't available because he's suspended. So Benitez is either going to have to change system to four at the back, or he's going to have to to switch around in defence. We don't yet know if Jamal Lascelles is fit either, so that could potentially be two defenders coming out of the side, and maybe Fernandez comes in, but he hasn't even been on the bench recently. Dummett could come in as either a left-back or a left-centre-back, or maybe we have to switch things around. It'll be interesting to see how Benitez approaches that, but certainly it's not going to be the same back five who've performed so well for Newcastle recently. There's going to be at least one, if not two, changes to that. Oh, certainly. I mean, Bournemouth has always been quite a difficult place to go, but you know they've only won twice since, since January, so a good chance for Newcastle to pick up three points. But Lee, Chris makes an interesting point. Whereas last week or the week before, we talked about a positive selection dilemma for Rafa Benitez. You know, everyone fit, raring to go. This weekend, if Lascelles' injury is worse than um, expected, you know, Benitez said in the press conference after the Everton game that he it didn't look too serious. It was Lascelles who said, "I want I need to come off." Um, but if it is, 
in a case of him missing Saturday, shares suspended, then suddenly Benitez has got it probably well, yeah, an unwanted dilemma on his hands. Yeah, I mean Fernandez then you know and potentially a back four uh, could could happen basically. Uh, but Fernandez should be hungry now to, to prove a point and and say, you know, I am still the player that you know was doing so well at the start of the season. When Newcastle were playing poorly, he was the best player by a mile. He was he was dragging through games in the first uh, probably five or six matches of the season. Came in on 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 came in on deadline day um, and had a real impact. Now you know he's had a dip in form. Other players have played better and got the place, but Rafa, I, I believe, has taken him on one side and said, "Come on, use your experience. Show us what you've got." And um, this is probably a game now where he has to step up and, and you know show exactly um, why Rafa was determined to sign him on deadline day we're certainly moving into the midfield obviously Shelby came on for 12 minutes and, and impressed uh, obviously Longstaff is missing this game someone will need to fill in next to Hayden um, Key again did alright but didn't set the world alight do you foresee it being Shelby Key or does the army get that one more appearance towards, towards his contract yeah it's a big a big question that and really key on the merit on the performance that he had the other day I would say probably you would think maybe not because when Newcastle was so poor he was he was part of that but I give him a benefit that was his first game back for a long time and he's a player who can get his foot on the ball in a game like Bournemouth and you know settle things down and it it's it's always a strange ground um, the Vitality Stadium as a call now it used to be Dean Court and you you feel like you're on top of things don't you because it's so small and enclosed and it's going to get be really in, intriguing to, to watch that midfield battle unfold uh, for me I would say Key will just scrape into that position well certainly I always pray has been in fantastic form of late um, how key will he be to, to Saturday Perez, he's crucial. I mean, I was just looking through some stats earlier and outfield player-wise, no player has played more minutes for Newcastle United in the Premier League this season than Perez. Dubravka is the only person ahead of him. Richie's a close third, but he has been crucial before Almiron came in. He was playing more of a number 10 role before they switched to this formation. A lot of that was defensive work off the ball whereas now although he's still expected to do that in this formation that they're playing at the moment if they stick with it obviously uh, defence permitting but if they stick with that then him and Almiron both almost have free roles to a certain degree just off Rondon he's linking so well with Rondon and Almiron's creating space for Perez and I think that he really has hit that purple patch and we've seen this quite regularly throughout his Newcastle career when he does start scoring goals he tends to go on a spurt of them but he's also providing assists he's not just scoring his assist for Rondon's goal last week was sublime. So I think he will be crucial. And if Bournemouth allow space, either Perez or Almiron hopefully will be able to profit from that and Newcastle can, can get a goal, be it on the break or by setting up Rondon from a set piece or a corner or whatever. Well, certainly now, last season when they went down to the Vitality, they were 2-0 up and conceded two uh, late goals You know, to, to go away with just a point. A win would have taken them up the league uh, would have left them on 32 points and that would have been five points clear of the danger zone um, and a lot of people weren't too happy that they'd thrown away that lead lead because obviously it would have boosted their survival uh, chances last season a lot earlier than, than the survival came about this season we're a lot closer to, to getting over the line but again 
um, fancy the same performance, they'll be they'll be pretty miffed. Yeah, it was a strange game last year because for seventy nine minutes or however long it was, eighty, I'm not sure when the first goal went in for for Bournemouth, but Newcastle were comfortable. They'd scored two goals. They even had a couple of chances to make it three nil. And if they had done, they may have even gone on and got a fourth or fifth. But as soon as they conceded, the momentum swung entirely. And I know John Joe Shelby came in for a lot of criticism afterwards. I thought some of it a bit harsh. Yes, he was poor for parts of it, but I thought that he became a bit of a scapegoat for that result. Everyone basically lost their heads in that situation, and you shouldn't. It, it basically the momentum swing, like we saw the Everton game last weekend. You can just see as soon as one goal can just change a game entirely, and that's what happened. I don't, sorry, I was just yeah. going to say that's exactly what I mean about that ground. Yeah. That that it, it can spread like wildfire. That once the when you're talking about that goal going in, once the crowd get a a sniff of a possibility of a comeback, it just spreads around the ground. And yeah. I think that's what happened that day. Yeah, I think I think Lee's right, and it's exactly it. And it's, it just became enclosed, and suddenly the atmosphere becomes a bit like a cauldron, as much of a cliche as that is. And so, uh, yeah, Newcastle, uh, a result like that this weekend would be deflating just in the fact that you saw it with Everton as well just if you if you are winning again I think that's what made it so much worse last year even given the position it was more the fact that that was two points they threw away essentially if they were to come away with a draw this weekend I don't think that's a terrible result by any stretch that would put them onto 35 points they're already essentially seven points clear of Cardiff even though it's only six because of the goal difference so then you, you're pushing it up to eight and it's suddenly, it's just another point you've just got to keep accruing them and, and given the fact that their home form's so positive and they've got a couple of winnable home games to come, I don't think that'd be a terrible result, but it's just making sure they don't collapse like that. Just if they're in control of the game, see it out, whether that's for a draw or a win. Most certainly. Uh, Lee, for you, the danger man at Bournemouth, you've got, you've got quite a few. I mean, Callum Wilson's probably the obvious one, but I mean, who do you think Newcastle really need to keep quiet? Well, I think Callum Wilson's a player Newcastle tried to sign a couple of times, um, and for some reason he's, you know, he, he's always out to prove a point. You know what I mean? He's had injury problems in the past, so I think he'll be one to to keep an eye on definitely. Um, I mean, last year when you think about Dan Gosling score, I, I, I still don't think I've got over that result. Now, to be totally honest, but it was so flat, um, and so typical Newcastle United it felt like a defeat didn't it yeah and it, it very nearly could have been and again going back to that that thing about the ground I mean I, I remember going to Dean Court as it was then when I, I used to cover Hartlepool and I went there and it, there was only three sides of the ground there was basically it was just a car park behind one of the goals and Hartlepool won at a canter that, that day down there and obviously different division different type of players but since they put that you know, since they've completed the ground, uh, it's it's probably been one of the greatest assets. I mean, Eddie Howe's obviously a fantastic manager to have, and they've stayed up time and time again. But the the fact that you know eleven thousand, twelve thousand fans so enclosed, it's like an FA Cup tie almost. Um, every time you go there, um, and when the, the obviously a bigger gun comes to town in Newcastle, or whether they classed as the top six anymore is irrelevant. There's still a scalp. In terms of, you know, the the smaller club beating the bigger club, and you know they relish it. So you guys have got to get their mentality exactly right going in this game. Most certainly, I mean, Bournemouth often a team that some Newcastle fans will hold up and say, "How on earth can we not compete with the likes of Bournemouth?" You know, Lerma cost I think thirty two, thirty three million, cost a lot of money. Aki, another one that Benitez looked at, obviously was then priced out. Um, it's always an interesting comparison to make, isn't it? 
It is, yeah. And if we, if what the noises from above are to be believed, then going forward, Newcastle United may now be in a financial position whereby they aren't as uh, lacking in compet in the competitiveness as they were before when they first came back to the Premier League. They couldn't compete with even teams they'd come up with given the financial state from before. At least that was what was presented by the club. They didn't want to speculate to accumulate in those periods of time. They believed that they needed to balance the books in a lot of ways. Well, now, two seasons back in the Premier League, if they if they do survive for next year, then hopefully going forward it won't be such a case of that. But yeah, they've been as soon as the first two or three transfer windows back in the Premier League when they tried to compete with teams as soon as someone like Bournemouth came in Newcastle were priced out of the market Ake was one Benitez looked at and they spent nearly 20 million on him and Newcastle couldn't even be mustered probably a quarter of that at the time that's how, that's the difference Ake at the time would have met all of the credentials as well that the Newcastle impact wanted. of relegation it is the impact of relegation I mean you, I think there was still partly a choice in that as well Newcastle could have gone another way it would have been a risk but there was a choice element of that. They chose that over that period of time they needed to stabilise and, and get money in that way. Well, that's happened now. Benitez, there's talk that he's going to be allowed marquee signings and whatnot going forward, but that's for the future for now. They're up against a Bournemouth team who, although erratic form-wise, have some very, very good players. Um, and Newcastle need to be careful this weekend and, and they can't be uh, as passive as they were at West Ham when they started the game poorly and never recovered. If they do that this weekend, Bournemouth are quite capable of scoring three or four. They're quite capable of conceding three or four as well. But like West Ham, they're very, very hit and miss. And if they do catch you on an off day, they have the uh, firepower to really score a few goals past you. Oh, certainly just a word that this podcast is brought to you in association with Etoro. And if you head over to Twitter at uh, the Everything is Black and White Podcast, at E. IBW podcast you can follow us on Twitter I nearly forgot it there just created it there but uh, I'm going to about go live on Instagram as well just for the next question which is going to come to you Lee um, you wrote yesterday about the changes in the academy um, you followed on from your piece on Monday yesterday it's now about a low manager and some other staff coming in could you just kind of talk us through that and what that might mean for the future well Rafa Benitez has made it clear that he wants a lot of changes uh, behind the scenes particularly at the academy um, ben Dawson, I understand, is going to step up to a more technical role, so he's going to be almost head of coaching, um, which would be a little bit like a director of football in, in some ways, but at academy level. And then there's going to be a new under-23 manager. I already know there's a couple of high-profile applicants for that role, um, so it's going to be interesting to see who actually gets that one. It's going to be a loan coordinator um, who will be responsible for all the players going out on loan and also getting ready for like the next season uh, developing relationships with the clubs so that when a player does sort of get to that level where they're ready to go out that they've got a, you know a relationship with somebody what player do you need what position how much game time they're going to get all that kind of thing Newcastle have severely lacked that in in the past decade and then the third role is going to be I think it's an assistant head coach of all the levels but from right up from uh... this is Acast Recommends every week we pick one of our favourite shows and this is one we think you're going to love hello I'm Jeff Lloyd and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband a baby podcast that is 
It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Under nines up to under 16s, so they really want to get into the grassroots uh, side of the area and you know start bringing through uh, local players uh, with while also having an eye on abroad of course but you know mainly making sure you know players you know like Michael Carrick in the past don't slip through the net do you think that's come from Benitez's demands or has it been a bit of the the club realizing the need to maybe move the academy and the, the the youth leagues forward a bit I mean is it a mixture of that or is that Benitez knocking on the door and saying, look, it's not just about spending money on the first team. You know, you can save yourself a pretty penny if, if we invest in the in the training ground. Well, I think basically one of the demands for Rafa's new contract is sorting the academy out. So Newcastle have kind of took the took the game to him now and said, we've so, you know, sorting that out. Uh, we've got the positions open. We've got the, 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 the rules in that you've asked for. So that's one box ticked. Um, the other one is obviously training ground improvements. Whether that's going, that's certainly not going to happen over the summer because you know you need planning permission, all that sort of thing. Uh, but if it's in the pipeline for later in his contract, then maybe that might just be enough to satisfy him on that score. But then the, the third one and the big one is how much money has he got to spend, and will Newcastle be competing with you know bigger clubs to bring in uh, decent players from around Europe? Most well, certainly, and that leads on nicely on to our next question. Another story you wrote was about Benitez potentially being wooed by the promise of a marquee signing, and while at the same time there were reports that Ashley's stepping back into the fold and it's all about buying young players with a sell-on profit. Um, quite an interesting mix there of stories, but I mean, as you understand it, is Benitez is going to be offered the chance to sign a big player if he signs a new contract. Well, what is a marquee signing? That's that's what you've got to ask on that one. It, a marquee signing can still be a player who's a, a young player. Uh, the player they've been heavily linked with is Joe Linton from Hoffenheim, who's only 22. So if he came in for £40 million in the summer, then I think that would be considered uh, a marquee signing in terms of price, promise, um, and, you know, Rafa Benitez building the team going forward. Now, from what I understand, Rafa's all for that sort of player coming in, but he also wants other things sorted out. So if there's only a limited pot to spend, maybe you know they need a, a cover at right back, they might need a position in midfield, they might need another winger. There's certain players who are going to leave in the summer probably. So why would you want to chuck it all on one player when other things need... Um, improving elsewhere and that's Rafa's very meticulous so it's, it's important that you know the plan is right the structure's right and it's not just a case of let's go out and play fantasy football and, and sign a, a a player for 40 million just to kind of appease the fans but that is certainly what's been mentioned to him um, and it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out well certainly I guess Chris that is the the kind of interesting bit and we've, we've mentioned it before this isn't any secret that for Benitez, it's not about having 60, 70 million. It's about being able to spend what he has got 
on the players that he wants. Um, and obviously Rondon again will probably be key on Saturday um, as he was against Everton. And he's it's going to be an interesting summer with regards to him because you imagine, and it's been hinted by Benitez that you know him staying permanently will be a big part of any contract negotiations. Well, yeah, I suppose with the Joe Linton sort of thing, if you look at between him and Rondon, if if he was able to sign, say, both of them, then that is almost the perfect platform for Joe Linton to, over time, become a better striker. He can learn off Rondon. The pressure's not immediately to, to hit the ground. Then two or three years, he becomes the play he needs. And that's always been a big thing with Benitez as well in terms of developing youngsters. They need experience alongside them, but... If you look ahead to this summer, for example, I mean, I, I highly doubt at this stage, for example, that Antonio Barreca's deal is going to be made permanent. So they're going to need a left back slash left wing back. Regardless, they're probably going to need a right wing, right wing back. Uh, midfield is uncertain. Hayden may go. Diarmi's situation is uncertain still at this moment in time. Uh, and then you just move further forward and Hosselu could well go. Rondon, we're not sure on. So there's several positions there. Benitez was still like another winger as well. So there's several positions. And as Lee says, he, he might get 40 million to sign one player. But what he actually wants is to know that he it's that plus the ability to sign other players. Or if he is, say, given you've got 50 million to spend this summer, I've just plucked that number out of the air, but say that there's 50 million. If he says, actually, I don't want that marquee signing him for 40 million, what I prefer is I want this guy for 20 million, then these four, five million pound players plus. Uh, a 10 20 million pound player elsewhere that may be how he wants to spend the money and it's about having that flexibility and for now he hasn't been given those uh, assurances he still requires them and it it needs a bit of give and take i think from both sides because i don't think unfortunately he's going to get all of what he wants but uh, newcastle are going to have to cede to some of those demands obviously a win on saturday would take newcastle closer to um survival benitez on saturday said probably two more wins would do it He's not really going to hold back once the negotiations start, is he? Because you can imagine him saying, like, this is what I want. There'll probably be a bit of compromise meeting the middle. And if the middle doesn't suit each other, then, you know, we you could probably say it being sorted by the end of the season. And then Newcastle will either be with Benitez or be looking for a new manager. I'd like to think so. I'd hope this didn't this doesn't go into the summer like we've had on previous occasions with just whether Benitez is going to stay. We had that both after the championship season and after... Uh, the first season back in the Premier League. I don't think that's uh, healthy. I don't think uh, it was good for anyone that there was almost radio silence for two or three weeks and it, basically you, you're missing out on time to prepare for the new season. I fully suspect that if Newcastle do get safe in the not-too-distant future, that Benitez will ramp up the rhetoric and press conferences. At the moment, he doesn't want to talk about it, but once they're safe, I think that he will start to, to make it clear in public. He'll get messages out there that he wants on, on certain matters as to what he believes needs to change and what isn't, in his opinion, being shown to him by the the board. But um, whether it, that means it gets resolved by the end of the season is another matter entirely. He may start speaking more, but unless unless the board suddenly cede to his demands, then maybe this does drag on. I hope not. I hope this is solved before the season is out and then Newcastle can really prepare for the new season. But... I'm sceptical at this moment in time that it necessarily will be. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it, Lee? We don't want this dragging out until, you know, the transfer window, the last week of the transfer window, because Newcastle are not one for moving overly fast, shall we say, when it comes <coughs> to transfers. Mm. And if Newcastle, like Chris says, are, they might end up needing five, six players 
Um, not even players to improve the team, just players to kind of fill out the team if the likes of here and the army do go. And getting to the last two weeks of the transfer window, if we're still waiting for that to happen, even with Benitez in charge, it's not going to be a good situation. Yeah, but the thing is, sometimes the best guide for the future is what's happened in the past. And Newcastle fans know what's happened in the past with the snail-paced operations behind the scenes. So let's not let's not get too hyped up about it. Let's not expect it all to be done and dusted and sealed and delivered the minute Newcastle safe. Let's be realistic and you know Newcastle will drag their feet over a lot of things. Rafa may drag his feet over some things uh, with good intentions and you know we might have to wait and be patient for for the right result but if they can get it sorted then that's brilliant but you know let's let's try and finish it on a positive note and say that at least the academy being sorted the rules being advertised um you know that's one one big tick in the box that Rafa Benitez asked for so Newcastle are potentially have made steps forward this week to secure his future but there's still a long way to go it certainly is we'll finish then with uh, score predictions as usual Chris I'm going for 2-2 I think it'll be a good game uh, I think that it'll be quite famous open. last words there I think it'll be quite open um, and yeah just, uh, I think it'll be a similar result last season I hope not in the same fashion I hope Newcastle aren't tuning it up and throw it away but I think uh, yeah it'll be a bit of an end to end one and with Newcastle having potentially some defensive Issues in terms of personnel, I, I, yeah, I think they will concede a couple, so I'm going to go two to each. And Lee? I think Newcastle will get the win. I think it'll be 2 1. I think it's it's probably Almira on time now. I think he's due a goal. I think Bournemouth's probably a pitch that he'll, he'll relish playing on. Um, when he sees the setup, he'll think, oh, this is this could be my domain today, and I think that this could be first goal for Miggy. Fingers crossed. Well, you can head over to Chronicle Live. .co.uk will bring you Rafa Benitez's press conference tomorrow and just um, if we can ask you to like and subscribe and review this podcast on whatever podcast platform you listen from but specifically iTunes obviously there are other platforms available Uh, thank you very much this is Acast recommends every week we pick one of our favourite shows And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.